might seem a little strange to have a sermon text from the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel on a day when we're focusing on Matthew the Apostle and Evangelist. My prayer is that at the end of the service it'll make a little more sense. Our first lesson comes from Ezekiel chapters 2 and 3. But you, son of man, listen to what I say to you. Do not rebel like that rebellious people. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Then I looked and saw a hand stretched out to me. In it was a scroll, which he unrolled before me. On both sides of it were written words of lament and mourning and woe. And he said to me, Son of man, eat what is before you. Eat this scroll. Then go and speak to the people of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he gave me the scroll to eat. Then he said to me, Son of man, eat this scroll I'm giving you, and fill your stomach with it. So I ate it, and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. He then said to me, Son of man, go now to the people of Israel, and speak my words to them. You are not being sent to a people of obscure speech, and strange language, but to the people of Israel. Not to many peoples of obscure speech and strange language whose words you cannot understand. Surely if I had sent you to them, they would have listened to you. But the people of Israel are not willing to listen to you because they are not willing to listen to me. For all the Israelites are hardened and obstinate, but I will make you as unyielding and hardened as they are. I will make your forehead like the hardest stone, harder than flint. Do not be afraid of them or terrified by them, though they are a rebellious people. So he said to me, Son of man, listen carefully and take to heart all the words I speak to you. Go now to your people in exile and speak to them. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, whether they listen or fail to listen. Good morning. How are you guys today? It's good to see you. Thanks for coming up. Today I want to talk to you guys about the word evangelism. It's a word that we see in many different forms all the time. This church is called Mount Olive Lutheran Church, but technically it's called Mount Olive Evangelical Lutheran Church. And every week in the worship folder, we get to the third reading, which is called the Gospel Lesson. And the word gospel and the word evangelism are kind of the same thing. Gospel means good news. Evangel comes from the Greek word that means good news. And so when we talk about evangelism, we are talking about sharing the good news of sins forgiven by Jesus. But sometimes when we hear the word evangelism, we think, sharing the gospel with people who have not yet heard the gospel. And that can be true, but it's not always true. What we're doing today in church, sharing the gospel, even if the people here have heard the gospel a thousand times, that is still evangelism because we are sharing the gospel with people. Now, in order for you to be an evangelist, like Matthew was an evangelist, somebody else needs to evangelize you first. That means somebody else needs to share the gospel, the good news of sins forgiven in Jesus with you 
first. And if someone's going to share the gospel with you, they first need to tell you that you're a sinner. You like that part? I don't either. Nobody really does. Because when God's word tells us that we're a sinner, we get scared. At least we should. Because God's word tells us that sinners are going to hell. That that's what sinners deserve. When people use God's word to tell us that we're sinners, that should scare us, that should make us afraid and make us think, oh no, I'm going to hell. That's when you're ready to hear the gospel. You see, the gospel, the good news of sins forgiven in Jesus, means nothing to the person who does not think they are a sinner. To the person who has never, ever considered the fact that they deserve hell, the gospel is worthless. You don't need it. Because if you're not a sinner, you don't need forgiveness. And this is why it's so important for us to use all of God's word the parts that tell us that we're sinful and the parts that tell us that Jesus has saved us. Because it's only when we know that we are sinners that Jesus becomes the most valuable treasure in the world. And that's what we're singing about in our hymn right now. That Jesus is the most valuable treasure we have because he has saved us from death and hell. He has forgiven all of our sins so that we can spend forever with God in heaven. It doesn't matter if you're hearing that for the first time today or for the hundredth time or for the thousandth time or for the ten thousandth time. This is news that we need to hear over and over and over our whole life so that we can cling to Jesus and to Jesus alone for our salvation. Let's pray and thank God for evangelism and ask him to help us be evangelists too. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to this earth to be our savior. We thank you for having him call a sinful man like Matthew to be his disciple, to be his evangelist. It's only a sinful person, a person who truly knows that they are sinful, who can begin to appreciate the grace, the love, the forgiveness that you have shown to us through your son. We thank you for showing us our sin. We thank you for showing us our Savior, Jesus. We ask that you would use people like us, people who know Jesus has forgiven us, to share that precious news with other sinners who need it too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. Maybe you were the rebel growing up. Maybe it was your brother or your sister. Maybe all the kids in your family were, were good kids, but it was the cousin who was the rebel. Then you grew up and maybe you started having kids or your siblings started having kids or friends started having kids and you watched them raise their children and, oh, there's the, there's the rebellious one. Maybe you've raised a rebel. Maybe as grandparents, you're looking two generations down, seeing a, a rebel being raised. All of us have some connection to 
a child who's probably being raised right now who is a little bit on the rebellious side. And you see the parents wrestling with those questions. What do I say? What don't I say? What do I do? What don't I do? Who could I have come talk to this rebellious child? How do I deal with a rebel? Better yet, how do I love a rebel? Today, we are going to get practical advice for how to love a rebel. And along the way, we're going to see God's grace to rebels, even rebels like you and me. The prophet Ezekiel has an incredibly fascinating context. Um, I usually make an assumption as a preacher that if I have to brush up on it, you probably do too. So we're going to brush up on Ezekiel's context just a little bit. Ezekiel was taken in what's the second wave of exiles from Judah, Jerusalem area, to Babylon in 598-597, right around the turn of the the year. 598-597, King Nebuchadnezzar took approximately 10,000 citizens of Judah from their homeland back to, to Babylon. And Ezekiel was one of those people. He was 25 years old. Five years later, in 593, when he was 30, the age that he would have become a priest had he still been in Jerusalem. So this was a challenging year for him because he would have been beginning his duties as a priest if he was still by the temple in Jerusalem. He's a thousand miles away from home and the Lord comes to him and calls him not to be a priest but a prophet. And on his call day, if you will, the Lord of heaven and earth gives Ezekiel this marvelous vision of his glory. And that's Ezekiel chapter one. I encourage you to go read Ezekiel chapter one this week and just take in the picture. It's an incredible picture. We're not gonna spend time talking about the details today, but suffice to say, the important part is that as God calls Ezekiel and sends him out with this difficult task, the first thing God does is give him a glimpse of his glory. And that's not insignificant. Ezekiel was terrified at the glory of the Lord. We see that all the time when sinful human beings get a glimpse of the glory of the Lord. But it's right at the transition from chapter 1 to chapter 2 where this terrified Ezekiel hears the, the Lord speaking to him. And as the Lord speaks to him, the Holy Spirit enters him and he is picked up doesn't stand up on his own strength. He is picked up and placed on his feet. And he's told to listen to the word of God, to the command that the Lord's about to give him so that he can then take that task and go to the people. And the Lord basically says to him at the beginning of chapter two, Ezekiel, go and speak my words to this rebellious people. And that's where our text begins. Our text begins with the Lord saying, listen to what I say to you. Do not rebel like that rebellious people. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And that's where we have this really interesting picture of a scroll that is to be eaten. Now, of course, the the scroll was the word of God. If you went to the synagogue in Jesus's day, um, when he went to the synagogue in his hometown, they handed him the scroll of Isaiah. And he unrolled it and he read to them. Right? So this was a picture they were familiar with. 
getting out the Bible. Here's a scroll. It had words written on both sides. Did you notice that? Every square inch of the paper, front and back, was written on. And they were hard words, words of lament and mourning and woe. So the Lord's saying to Ezekiel the prophet, there are many words for you to share with the people and they're going to be hard words, words of lament and mourning of woe, bad news, news of sin, the kind of news that these kids didn't want to hear and that I don't like to hear and that you and, you and I just don't like to hear. And then he eats it and it tastes good. It's sweet like honey in his mouth. Then we get another picture. We get a picture of a, of a barrier, an obstacle. The Lord says to Ezekiel, you're going to take this message of mine to a people who are so rebellious that it would be easier for you to communicate to the Babylonians around you with the language barrier than it will be for you to communicate to your own people. That's how rebellious they are. And what a message that is. That God would say to the prophet Ezekiel and to you and me, it is easier to break down the barrier of a different language and share the gospel than it is to share the gospel with someone who is rebelling against the word of God. Let that one soak in for a minute. This is a hard task that is before the prophet Ezekiel. God is sending him to people who are enduring the consequences of their rebellion against the Lord. They've been sent a thousand miles from their home. And yet God says, we're going to go after them one more time. You, prophet Ezekiel, are going to go to them and you're going to speak my words to them and it's going to be a really hard job. And that's when the Lord makes a promise to Ezekiel, a promise that is very important for you and me to keep in mind as we think about rebels in our life that we'd like to share God's word with. He says, I will make you as unyielding and hardened as they are. I will make your forehead like the hardest stone, harder than flint. Some translations take hardest stone and they just use the word diamond. That, that's what he's talking about. I'm going to make your forehead like diamond, harder than flint. I'm sending you to hardened sinners who are opposed not to you, but opposed to me, says the Lord. And I'm going to make your forehead harder than theirs, so that nothing they say will faze you. And then God gives a command. He says, do not be afraid of them or terrified by them. And that might sound like the same thing to you and me. Don't be afraid of them or terrified to them. A better translation is do not be afraid of them or discouraged by the look on their face. It's a lot to take in. God has given Ezekiel a very challenging task with a very challenging message. He sent him to people who are so against the Lord and his word that it would be easier to talk to foreigners who speak a different language. And God says to him, I'm going to make you hard like flint. You're going to be able to handle it. Don't be afraid and don't be discouraged by the look on their face. Just say what I say to you. Now, I'm speaking to a room full of people who, for the most part, have been around God's word for a long time. 
you know what God says, even if it's just in the simplest forms. You know God's law. You know the Ten Commandments. You know his standards, what he expects of us. You've at least heard the gospel before. You heard it again during the children's devotion. The good news of sins forgiven in Jesus, news that is comforting to sinners, but not to those who think they're not sinners. And yet you're still afraid and still discouraged. When you think of the rebellious sinners that you know, people who are the obvious rebels, and you think about the the task that is in front of them for their parents, maybe for you, you probably know what needs to be said. You know what the word of God says, but you're afraid and you're discouraged by the look you see on their face because it's a discouraging thing to see a rebel's face. It's discouraging to look into the eyes of a person who just doesn't seem to care what the word of God says. And it hits you right here. But this is where we need to tie back to Ezekiel chapter one. And I know we only referenced it and we didn't talk about the details. But there's a reason that the Lord revealed his glory to Ezekiel before he sent him on this task. The person who is afraid of a rebel and the person who is discouraged by the look on a rebel's face has most certainly forgotten whose word it is that they carry. That person has most certainly forgotten the glory of God. Of this we can be sure. The person who is afraid of of any conflict between them and and a rebel who is discouraged by the look on a rebel's face has forgotten the glory of God. They have forgotten that this God who gives his word to us is almighty. And that is not just a Christian buzzword. It is our attempt in the English language to communicate that his power is without limit. He is the God who is quite literally present everywhere all the time. I would love to be present everywhere all the time. I could serve this church much better. But I am not, and neither are you. We are present in one place at one time. We have a very, very limited perspective on what is taking place in the world around us. We have to listen very carefully. This is why we must be slow to speak and quick to listen. Because in order for us, one perspective people, to understand what's going on around us, we need to listen and observe a lot more than we speak. God doesn't have that problem. He's present everywhere. He sees everything from every perspective. He never misses a glimpse of anything. And on top of it, he knows all things. He is the infinitely powerful, present everywhere, all-knowing God who is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, not three gods, one God. And he wants to communicate with us He wants us to know his will. He wants us to know that we've failed. He wants us to know that we deserve hell. And he wants us to know that he has rescued us. It's his word that we bring. It's his word that is brought to a world full of sinners. And this is why he picked Matthew. 
He was talking to the descendants of the same hardened, obstinate sinners, rebels, that Ezekiel was sent to almost 600 years earlier. And they hadn't changed much. And Jesus knew it. So he went to a rebel, a man who had quite literally rebelled against his countrymen by teaming up with the enemies and collecting taxes for them, robbing his own brothers and sisters blind and serving the enemy. Matthew was the rebel. And Jesus went and said, follow me. And he did. And all of a sudden, there were all these rebels gathering around Jesus to eat with him, and the church people could not wrap their minds around it. They just couldn't handle it. How is it that your teacher eats with rebels like these? And Jesus says to them, I want you to learn what the prophet Hosea meant when the Lord spoke through him and said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You think these rebels just need to make some changes and everything's going to be okay? You think these rebels just need to, to, to give up a few things that are important to them, that are actually sinful, and once they make those changes, then everything will be all right? No, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. God wanted his people to know that he's so merciful, he even sent a prophet to a rebellious people. God wants his people to know that he is so merciful that he would choose a rebel to be his apostle and his evangelist. Because my brothers and sisters in Christ, there is no one better equipped to love a rebel than a rebel who has been loved by God. And here's the scary part. If you don't think you're a rebel who has been loved by God, you definitely can't love a rebel. If you don't know that you're the rebel, then you're just like the Pharisees. You're no different from them. And you're in danger of hell. You see, the first thing that God does in his word is he comes and he cuts us to the heart. He cuts away every bit of arrogance and every bit of pride. He cuts away every part of us that makes us look at a rebel and think, I'm glad I'm not like them. Because the reality is you are and so am I. We were conceived that way. And we've proven it throughout our life that we are not what God wants us to be. We are the rebels. And this is why God sent Ezekiel to a world, to a, to a nation of rebellious people. This is why God chose a rebel like Matthew to be his evangelist so that rebels like you and I would know that Jesus is for us. Jesus was the only person who could honestly say, I've never rebelled, ever. He never once rebelled his entire life. And yet he was treated as the worst rebel of all time so that you and I could be freed of the label rebel and be called children of God. And by God's grace, that is what you are. We talked about it in the confession and absolution today. In baptism, you were robed with Christ. 
You were robed with his righteousness. When God looks at you, he does not see your rebellious ways, nor does he see mine. He sees Jesus. I said it once and I'll say it again. The one who is best equipped to love a rebel is the rebel who's been loved by God. If you want to know how to love a rebel, just look at how God has loved you. Look at what he's done for you and you'll know exactly what to say to the rebel. Yeah, the words of mourning and lament and woe are necessary because the person must see their rebellious ways. If they don't, they will have no need for Jesus. And so the words are hard, but they're good words. They're necessary words. They're sweeter than honey because they're what we need to hear so that we can come to grips with who we are and begin to appreciate what God has done for us in Christ. I'm thankful that God chose Matthew to be his apostle, his evangelist, because it convinces me that God's for even a rebel like me. And the same is true for you. And so let's go show some love to rebels this week. Amen.